Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. Ken Shamrock is one tough dude. He is the first ever champion in the UFC. Went on to become a superstar in the WWE, and we've got his phone number. Let's see if we can get him on. I can come back there, find your little punk, oh. drag you into this ring, and beat you like the stepchild that you are. Oh, he's in a zone. Yeah, twilight zone. Hello. Hello, we're looking for Ken Shamrock. You found him. <laughs> Ken, how are you? It's Taz and Jim at FM 96 in London, Ontario. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, man. We're excited that we got uh, the world's most dangerous man on the show. This is uh, great. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. And we're more excited that you're coming to London for Comic-Con October 26th to the 28th. That's going to be a good time. That'll be a blast. Ken Shamrock, this this guy, Jim, I know you've followed his career as well. He is, for people who don't know, he is one scary dude. I can remember Ken... Being in the basement of my buddy's house when I was in high school, someone would pull out a VHS tape. They're like, you guys got to see this. It's called the UFC. Well, that was back in the day. It was bare knuckle. There was no rules. Anything goes. And you fight four guys in one night. I know. It was It was like the as for a bunch of guys in London, Ontario, living in the suburbs, it was as close as we could get to being in like a movie where you're in one of those clubs like uh, blood sport oh like a blood sport we couldn't believe what we were seeing man what we would do is go into each uh, city or each state and we would get a license to do an event and um, that event then would be covered Um, they'd have to go out and find insurance and someone to cover it and you know, uh, as you know, with Bob Meyerwitz, he was always in and out of court. Sometimes they wouldn't let us have it there. Sometimes we had to fly to another city that morning to set up and have the show that night. It was it really was a circus because it was nothing ever for certain because it wasn't a sanctioned or legal event going into these different cities and states. So we had to really um, we had to improvise a lot. And that was before weight classes as well. Well, that was that was an open weight class. Anything goes. Two guys went in the ring and one guy walked out. Was it like no fish hooking? There was like two or three. No eye gouging, or could you eye gouge? Well, here's how it worked. It was no. It was supposed to be no eye gouging and no groin shots. Uh-huh. But it didn't mean that you were you would lose the fight. They would just like. You know, they fine you, but it was only $1,500 when you first went in, right? Yeah. But if you won the fight, you got three grand, so they would penalize you $1,000 if you got fouled in one of those. But you could still win the fight with the foul. Is that all you would get back then, $3,000 to put yourself through that? Well, if you won the whole thing, it was fifty. And even then, you know, winning four fights in one night, fifty grand wasn't much. Wow. It really does seem like something that would take place in international waters. Like, you know... Um, are you are you are you surprised that it's been able to break through into the mainstream? I, there's obviously been a few rule changes, but does it still surprise you how popular it's become? You know, well, you know, when you look back on it, no, because you know that's what people want. When you look at how 
people get excited about football or car racing or anything, it's usually that impact, you know, that big explosion, that thing that happens instantly and, you know, knockouts, you know, car crashes, all these things that you see happen in a sport. So this thing was like uh, an, an explosion the whole time. So uh, it, didn't, it, it, it didn't surprise me now to look back on it, but while you're in it, you just don't think about it because you're so caught up in doing what you want to do. Ken Shamrock, what would you say is your proudest moment from your UFC days? I would have to say um, becoming the very first ever um, champion, being, you know, carrying a belt, wearing the belt, you know, recognized as the first legitimate champion. And it was no weight classes when I did it. Would you rather fight the big guys or the little guys, or did it not matter to you? Well, here's my record. Um, I think I've only been beaten one time uh, at heavyweight, and that was a uh, split decision. Uh, and at, at light heavyweight, that's where I've had all my losses. You and Royce Gracie uh, did not get along back in those days. Is that a relationship that continues, or have you guys kissed and made up? Well, I try to put things behind me, but it just for me to, to know the history of of how things happen with us, it, it just bothers me that he accepts the the, the wins and how they, that the wins were and that he wouldn't want to go and fight me again to try to, you know, put the, the questions behind him. He's yeah. just, he just satisfied with the way things are. And to me, I, I, it, you know, I just can't, if I was in his shoes, I just wouldn't be satisfied not, not knowing, you know, um, whether or not, you know, my wins are legit. If he goes in and he fights me, beats me legitimately, then everything that's happened up to that point doesn't matter. But if he doesn't fight me, doesn't go in and, and make this thing right, and if he loses, he loses, which I believe that's why he did the things he did, because he knew he was going to lose. So I think that he's just hiding behind, you know, fouls and things that he knew would get him, you know, out of the ring. So um, it's been a discouraging um, uh, history for me. Would you, if he called you up, he said, I want to do this, but I don't want to do it in the public eye. Let's, let's settle this, you know, back alley style. Would you say yes, Ken Shamrock? I've told him that already. I said, however you want to do it. We could do it in the gym. We could do it in the street. We could do it on a whim. We could do it in an interview. We could do it in the ring and promote it, however you want. But let's end this thing. We could do it at London Comic Con. <laughs> the gauntlet Absolutely. has been laid down, Royce Gracie. <laughs> hey, and it, hey, and it's not like it hasn't been done at a Comic Con before, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what Comic Con? Do you get fights break out at Comic Cons? Oh, absolutely! I was at one where um, one of my one of the guys that had brought me. I want to mention his name. One of the guys that brought me in with one of the other wrestlers accused him of stealing the huh. promoter, and the promoter beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> These things are hardcore. <laughs> I was sitting, I was sitting at the same table. It was my promoter that beat up the other guy, and I was like, okay, that was good. That was fun. <laughs> that would be surreal. Then you have like five Spider-Men and a Batman jumping in to break it up. Hey, that's entertaining right there, brother. <laughs> Ken Shamrock, you look like a big mean guy, but you do a lot of charity work uh, with underprivileged, at-risk youth. Must be pretty rewarding. It is. You know, I come from that uh, background where, you know, I lived in the street. I was living out of a car at a young age. You know, I got involved in a lot of bad things. Um, so, yeah, you know, be able to try to help other people know, hey, listen, nobody has to be perfect. 
nobody is going to be perfect, and we're all going to go through our struggles and have our way of of doing things. But it doesn't mean we can't be good people. Yeah, that structure. I mean, if you're a fighter, you got to be have a pretty regimented, structured lifestyle. You got to have. You got to learn discipline. You got to learn it fast. So it is. You see a lot of troubled youth turning to mixed martial arts and to uh, different styles of fighting to learn that. Well, I think that's a key to. to you know, people who are struggling is to find something that they enjoy and just laser focus on it and become good at it because it takes up your attention. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't get to kind of stray off and go and do something stupid that's going to get you put in jail. I didn't realize that for a while you're doing private security. I just read that online. You did some private... I like imagine you're trying to get close to a celebrity to get an autograph, or you're a stalker. You're yeah. stalking someone. You open the door, and Ken Shamrock is standing there. In a blazer, just going, no, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, not today. <laughs> you got daughters, Ken? I do, yes. Have they brought their boyfriends home yet? I don't know how old they are, but imagine Ken Shamrock opens the door. Hi, uh, I hear you're dating my daughter. Nope, not anymore. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I got a story for you on that one, and uh, it was funny, too, because I, when I was, actually, I was in Susanville, and we, we every Friday night we'd have the guys over for barbecue, and there was John Gunderson, there was Vernon White, you know, there was a lot of elite fighters that were coming to our house, because <laughs> they were a part of our team, and Sarah had this boyfriend that came over to pick her up. Oh well, she God. didn't want them to come inside, because all the fighters were there, and I said, well, that's not going to happen, because... You know, we, you have to, I have to meet whoever you're going out with, and I haven't met this guy yet. And she got so mad at me. Well, she went upstairs because she had this skirt on, and I always made sure they wore spandex underneath their skirt. And so I said, no, no, you're not going out without, you know, you're not wearing that. You're going to put the you know, spandex underneath to go change into some jeans. So she got all mad, ran upstairs. Well, I sent the guys out to the car. Uh-oh. And so all the guys went out in the car and just circled it. And I walked out there, and he rolled the window down. This dude's eyes was big as saucers. <laughs> and I said, I looked at him, I go, it was probably about 5, 5.30 at the time. And I said, so uh, 9 o'clock good? And the kid just looked at me and went, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> so we all went back inside. As we were going inside, the dude took off. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to go outside to find the guy, and he was gone. And she comes back in, and she just started screaming and yelling. I mean, oh, I, I bet. I did, because I didn't know it would work out like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Well, you know what? He he, said, he must have been up to something. You know, <laughs> if, he, if he felt that he needed to get out of there, obviously he was doing something wrong. That's what I felt, too, so yeah. <laughs> Ken Shamrock, we can't wait to have the world's most dangerous man in London, Ontario for Comic-Con. LondonComicCon.ca to buy your tickets October 26th and 28th at the Western Fair District. See, he looks scary, but he's a nice guy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Hey, appreciate you guys. Glorious Sons, Canadian band from Kingston, Ontario. They are one of the biggest up-and-coming bands in this country. And they are doing two nights back-to-back -back at London Music Hall. Did a show last night, and they've got another one tonight. 
Jim and I couldn't make it to the show last night. We both hope to be there tonight. Um, but we sent Juan the Colombian to get some hammered concert reviews. And he found some real beauties <laughs> outside the Glorious Sons concert. It's time for another hammered concert review. What's going on? It's Juan the Colombian here for the Taz Show. And another concert, more drunk people. And I'm here with... <laughs> Yeah, Bridget. <laughs> and what do you think about the concert? Dude, I love the concert. I love FM96 so much. Like me and all my friends, we all love this so much. It's fine. What about and we love Glo- Gloria Sons. <laughs> Off the chain tonight. They're so good. Right. Boy, with the boy. With the boy. <laughs> What's your name? Cody. Cody. So you're pretty drunk. You got kicked out of the London Music Hall. How did I get kicked out? I don't know, but you you have to explain that to me. How, what happened? Uh, they're not they're not too friendly around here now, right? <laughs> they, they they're they're not too friendly. But okay, okay. You were telling me that you listen to a Tasho, huh? Oh, f- love Tasho. We listen to it every morning at work. Taz, Jim. You're my voice. Cody. You're my voice. <laughs> I have to ask you something. Did what? you got to enjoy a little bit of Glorious Sun? My son. I have a two and a half year old. <laughs> I'm saying Hey, Taz. Taz. T- I have a two and a half year old. You got... Am I on the radio? But, but yeah, you're listening. You're listening. Tomorrow you're going to be on the radio. How was the show? Did you get to enjoy oh, something? Yeah. Oh, so fun. So fun. So fun. Man, this is like... It's, it's not much that you get to, like, have a good time with these. It's okay, though. You're still here. You get to yeah. listen, you know. <laughs> Are you coming tomorrow, too, or no? That's it. It was just tonight. No, not tonight. Not tonight. Okay, okay, okay. Man, you're, you're sick, bro. <laughs> Hammer concert review. The ADD concert review. I think it was clear that Cody w- didn't have tickets for both nights because he really tried to cram it all into last night. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just he went a little too hard too fast. Mm-hmm. If you're going to the Glorious Sons, you don't want to miss the band. Did you got to enjoy a little bit of Glorious Sun? My son. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> I'm saying... Hey, Taz. Taz. T- I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. You got... Am I on the radio? There's been a rise in the wake down in Florida after Hurricane Florence, and it's causing an interesting problem. Headline reads, huge marijuana bundles are washing up on Florida beaches after Hurricane Florence. Whoa! And swimmers are fighting over them. (laughs) (laughs) Giant bundles of marijuana containing individually wrapped five kilo bricks have been washing up on the shores of Florida. So these are like prepackaged. <laughs> Sounds like the good stuff. Like a bale. Right. Possibly from a boat that was capsized in the storm. So a smuggler's boat flipped over. Hmm. Or maybe an airplane that capsized. Uh, yeah. Cap is you call it an airplane capsizing? I don't know. When it lands in the ocean? What's that called? Crashing. <laughs> capsizing means turns upside oh, down. I guess right? so. Yeah. I just figure it caps up top, and it's... <laughs> if it's one of those float planes... Yeah, if it's on pontoons. Pontoon yeah, plane yeah. could capsize. Uh, but these uh, these bundles have been uh, washing up, and the dilemma has been, do we call the cops, or do we just keep all this weed? It's a tough decision there, Jim. Is you, it tough? <laughs> you're going for a swim, a bundle washes up. I take it 100%. There's no tough decision at all. The cops, it's just going to get stored in some 
locker evidence yeah. facility. Nobody's going to be able to enjoy it. <laughs> like, that's a waste. You'd keep it. Uh, the brick that this one man, Robert Kelly, found. Oh, same last name as you. 61 <laughs> years old. Uh, he kept it. The brick weighed 11 pounds. And the guy got caught and charged with possession of marijuana over 20 grams. Oh. So that might be a reason you don't keep it. Yeah. Well, you if you see it, you get that bail and you get out as quick as possible. It's for recreational use. I, I heard something about $20 bills being scattered all over highways in Toronto recently. Did you hear about this? No. It's the same sort of thing. Uh, somebody, I don't know if someone's been throwing money out on the highway and people have been pulling over to pick it up or if money's just been blowing off like... Uh, A Brinks truck or something? Yeah, armored vehicles. But huh. the other day, earlier this week in, in Vaughn, in the Vaughn area, there was $20 bills all over the highway and people were pulling over to pick them up and keep them for themselves. Sounds real dangerous, but it'd be tempting not to. I mean, if you grabbed a mitt full, that could be 500 bucks. Sure. You know? It'd be tempting. Yeah. The weed, too. Like, who knows what's in it or if it's safe, but I, like, how could you not be tempted to grab it? Well, you know the movie Cliffhanger with Stallone. Sylvester Stallone? That's based on a true story. There was a plane that went down on top of a mountain uh -huh. in the United States and a bunch of uh, rock climbers, like uh, cliff cliff guys you climb, they found the plane, and then like all the other dudes at base camp just started climbing up to this plane, they all kept the weed. Some guys got really rich. It's like a legendary wow, story. Oh, yeah. I heard the weed, too, if it washes up on shore, if you put it up to your ear, you can hear the Grateful Dead. <laughs> I want to see you peacock. Sports time. Devin Peacock is with us, and... The impossible happened last night. On second down and 12, Darnold airs it out. Downfield pass is picked by Mitchell. Browns are going to win. Mayfield and the Browns get the win over the Jets. Who could have called that, Dev? Not two three-year-old boys, that's who. <laughs> this grown man. You picked the Browns. To win last night. Is that the first time you've picked the Browns this year? It is, yes. Oh, wow. Good for you. I uh, I don't want to say too much, but it took a lot of skill, <laughs> a lot of crunching the numbers. Okay. How long has it been since the uh, Cleveland Browns won a football game? Barack Obama was still president of the United States. It was December 24th, 2016, the last time the Cleveland Browns won. You got to give those Browns fans a little pat on the back for standing by their team. We've got one of them on the phone right now. Cleveland Randy joins us. Hey, Randy. Oh, boy. I think I'm still a little hungover. <laughs> <laughs> you earned it. Were you, I did. At, were you at the game last night? Um, actually, not. No. Believe it or not, I had, I had to. Uh, I'm in school now, so I had to be. I was writing a paper. Nobody was happy about that, including me. But <laughs> the maybe one it was game I they wasn't. win in two years, Randy's <laughs> writing, doing homework. What was the paper about? Uh, it was about um, actually privacy. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know. You know, now know. You, have to, you have to write a paper every time the Cleveland Browns play. Otherwise, you're going to jinx the team. I, I, well, that's what my tailgating buddies said. <laughs> they, invited me, they invited me down to uh, actually write the paper for me because they figured they could do a better job than I could anyway. 
Hey, did they tell you whether or not those Bud Light fridges opened up? Bud Light put all those fridges around the stadium they, that would they, only they open? Did. Yeah, they, they partook. Yeah, yeah. Here, I've got a video of one opening up here, guys. It actually does. Like, it's a it's the fridge in the middle of the bar. Random guys in the bar are just pulling out Bud Lights and handing them around. I love that. Yeah, see? I told you it was going to be a good thing, Seth. And a Thursday night or two, so the spotlight is on your team. You don't have to share it with anyone else playing last night. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Randy, to you and the Cleveland Browns. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, Taz. All right. Good luck with your schooling, okay? Yes, sir. I'll keep you posted. All right. You coming to visit <laughs> us in London again soon? I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're working it out, Jen and I. Okay. Come into so, the studio uh, when, you, when you're back in town. Thanks, Randy. We, we totally will, Taz. Take care. Bye, Jim. See you, buddy. So do the Browns even need to win another game this season, or was that their Super Bowl? <laughs> that might have been their Super Bowl. I mean, that was, I mean, this has been the monkey on their back for forever. They had a 19-game winless streak, the longest since, I think, 1970 in the, uh, in the NFL. So it's, it's, been, it's been a long haul. And it took their rookie backup quarterback to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was watching the game last night, I mean, you know, Joe Buck made the comment because Tyrod Taylor was struggling mightily in the game. Like, the Browns' defense was really strong to, to start, but Taylor and the offense were doing a whole lot. Taylor, in particular, was like he was overthrowing guys. He was not doing well. He left the game with a concussion. That opened the door for Baker Mayfield. Now you have a full-fledged quarterback you know, controversy going on in terms of d- does a guy lose his job because of injury? Baker Mayfield, though, was the number one overall pick. Even before the concussion, Joe Buck said, you know, the, t- the clock is ticking on Tyrod Taylor, not just this season, but in this game. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, he was even theorizing that maybe he gets pulled at halftime or something for Baker Mayfield. So do you go back to Taylor if he's okay next week or, or not? Or you stick with a guy that came back and won the football game, the first football game your franchise has won since 2016. He was like 17 for 23 for 200 yards and like in a half, like just like a half of football. So he played really, really well. Congratulations, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> hey, I just want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Taz Show podcast. If you want more, subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. All the podcast places.